This is a remote dating podcast where we share outlandish dating stories from people struggling with the new dating landscape. In season two, Be My Carry On Baggage, we look at how the coronavirus pandemic is going to impact the future of dating. We'll get insights from digital nomads who have been navigating dating under extreme circumstances for years, as well as stories from people who have been locked down in love. Today, we'll be discussing how the pandemic has impacted the future of relationships and our predictions for what dating as a nomad will look like once borders start opening. This is Season 2, Episode 9, A Portrait of a Nomad in Quarantine. I'm Ellie. And I'm Kayla. We're your hosts for Dating Abroad, a podcast about unconventional dating stories. This is our last episode of season two and a very bittersweet announcement. Our last episode of Dating Abroad. Uh We have loved doing this podcast so much and creating a time capsule of dating and being a nomad in a pandemic, but it's time to bring this production to a close We've shared so many embarrassing stories and spoken with so many wonderful, open and insightful people. It's been such a pleasure sharing their stories here, but we do feel like we've said everything we need to say about (laughs) dating on the road and in lockdown. And we just cannot uh, think of any more embarrassing stories that we have to share. So thank you so much for coming along with us on this podcasting journey. And we're going to make this last episode the best episode ever starting with a video call named desire (laughs) um okay wow last update ever this is weird good i feel like you have so much to update us on too well not that much really i had a lot last time since then not much has really happened. Um, I've got I've got a date with a Portuguese vet on Wednesday. He mm. seems very nice. He has lived abroad. He's very smart. He's given me book recommendations of dystopian Portuguese fiction. So that's quite exciting. That is very exciting. I want to read Portuguese fiction. Yeah. It's really good, actually, the book he recommended me. It's called Blindness. But yeah, I mean, in terms of dating, that's kind of it at the moment. I mean, I've just moved in with a new housemate, so I kind of feel like we're a married couple. We're talking about (laughs) getting matching toweling robes and we cook together every night. Um, (laughs) That's been a bit of a whirlwind. Um, but no, I mean, that's really about it when it comes to comes to the boys. How about you? So didn't know working out with either of the other two. Oh, you did update us on the last one. Yeah. So yeah, yeah the last one, I friend zoned the nomad boy. Don't use friend zone. We don't use words like that on this podcast. Do we not? Okay. <laughs> um, you, be, you turned the romance into a friendship. Yes. And we still have been chatting as friends. That's nice. And, and the surfer is still there in the background, but that's only very casual. Mm. This new one sounds somewhat promising. I, always, I feel like it's a really good sign if someone gives you a good book recommendation. 
I know I did tell him that when he did that 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 it's what I mean that's what turns me on obviously <laughs> book recommendations yeah so I don't have too much to update because I've not really been dating but I do have one small update I did say that I was gonna like cold call people uh, by stalking them online but I didn't do that it just felt too creepy <laughs> um, but what I did do is I reached out to someone that I'd been on a couple dates with like a couple years ago uh, when I was in Toronto and it just like the dates both went well uh, but I just got really busy and I was like leaving very shortly after that and like accidentally had ghosted him <laughs> Uh, and then like a few months later when I was traveling, had sent him a message to be like, I am really sorry. I didn't mean to ghost you. I really like you, but just like I was leaving and trying to deal with all the logistics that come with that. So we had like kind of chatted every now and then, but not for a while. And yeah, so I decided to reach out to him again and we've started chatting again a bit. I don't know if it will go anywhere. I don't know. Like, I don't think we're going to be able to meet before August and September anyways, but it's um, it's pretty light. Like every few days or once a week, we send each other a longer message, which is very much a style of texting I prefer. So that's already positive. So yeah, maybe I'll do an update in October if that goes anywhere. But yeah, other than that, just enjoying single life and enjoying having chats with people about building a community that I'm really excited about. I don't know how much to get into that, but I know that we've talked about kind of communal living and that those conversations feel really exciting um, because I do feel that a lot of the, the pressure or the rush to find a romantic partner is like, well, then you have someone to kind of make some life decisions with and to split some expenses with. I've always thought communal living would be a more interesting way to do that anyways, but didn't have the people to do it with. Over the past year or two, I've been having a lot more of those conversations. And as much as we can't do much right now in a pandemic, it just feels exciting to to have those conversations. That does sound exciting. So <laughs> what what sort of conversations have you had? Uh, just about, I guess, other people who have similar values, who are artistic and nomadic and interested in having a, a small little commune where... You know, you'd be free to be in and out, but it would be a semi, semi-permanent home for most of us. And we would create things together and maybe share some work stuff, but obviously not all work stuff. And then all the living expenses would be shared. And there might be like some communal pots or some travel projects that we did together. So it's all still quite loose, but... So yeah, we'll see how that goes. That feels very exciting. And yeah, not that I don't want a romantic partner because that's fun for all sorts of reasons, uh, but that feels much more exciting in terms of like lifestyle partnerships. Yeah, for sure. And I think maybe we can get onto this a bit later more when we talk about, you know, how how the pandemic has impacted nomading. And I think one of the ways is that these new ways of living are going to come out of it. Mm, and I think, Ellie, that's the perfect segment, uh, or segue rather, into our main discussion, Gone with the Wi-Fi. So before we get into what the future of dating and the future of uh, lifestyle partnerships might look like, why don't we first just talk a little bit about ourselves, our favorite topic, as people dating in the pandemic? What's it been like for us? Maybe what do we remember from our interviews with people? Let's paint a portrait, shall we say, of nomads in, in quarantine. quarantine. <laughs> 
Well, it's funny, isn't it, that we've just done our last video call named Desire and like neither of us really has the, that much <laughs> exciting dating news. So we've managed to come to the end of the pandemic and not really get anywhere on that front. Mm-hmm. Well, end of the podcast, I don't think the oh, pandemic's over for a while. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, yeah, end of the podcast. We've yeah. managed to come to a year, through a year of podcasting about dating and here we are still single yeah and I think Um, we talked about this a bit when we did our DNG live episode and that we both kind of thought a positive of the pandemic could be that because we wouldn't be nomading we'd be staying in the same place for longer this would be the perfect time to uh, find the loves of our lives we'd be forced to go slower but I think what we found is that you can't really build a virtual relationship I still think I'm going to take doing a phone call or video call before every date Uh, no matter what, because I do feel like I can tell if someone is a definite no over the phone, but I Mm. can't tell if somebody is a definite yes or just a friend or what over the phone. Yeah, I'm not sure like about the whole, you know, virtual call first thing. There are definitely benefits to it in that, yes, it can save time because, yeah, often you would know if someone's a definite no, but... I just feel like it then all of the spontaneity of dating just goes out the window and now that it's more possible to do it again even though it's more risky and yes you might waste some time sometimes it's just nice to go somewhere and meet someone and be like oh am I gonna like him am I not even if I don't at least I get to see a new place and it's a new experience so I do think I missed that quite a lot during the pandemic anything being spontaneous yeah, I do miss the spontaneity, but I I don't know that I miss it that much for online dating. Like I miss being able to just like go to a cafe or go to a bar, or go to a meetup event and see if there's someone I click with either f- honestly friend-wise or romantically because I love being able to make those kind of spontaneous friends that you just click with also. I do really miss that sort of spontaneity. I don't miss wasting a bunch of time going on a first date with someone that tends to turns out to be just like a shitty person (laughs) I know yeah I mean to be fair that did happen to me the other day I went on an awful date with this guy luckily you know it was near my house and you know it only took up an hour of my time but I won't get that hour back and I probably could have avoided it by having a video call but still I don't know still kind of glad I did it and you know when I met the the nomad writer guy who I ended up dating for a while you know I went to Lisbon for that date and it was all exciting and it was like oh my god this is something that pre-pandemic Ellie might have done and and it was fun and yeah it didn't ultimately end up going anywhere but it was a really good experience and do you think it would have been different if you had done a video call first well, you just wouldn't, I don't know, I just kind of like the anticipation of like getting there and being like, oh, will I like him? Won't I? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just like a sadist. I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm thinking back to this guy I dated uh, for a few weeks back in September and we did a video call first and then did two in-person dates. And for both of those in-person dates, I still felt 
that nervous excitement of like, ooh, what's he going to be like? Am I going to like him? But like, I also felt good about being like, yes, let's just like go walk in a big loop around the city, even though it might be hard to bail out. And even though we like walked in this like weird abandoned trail uh, under like railroad tracks, I felt good about it because like I knew that like, even if it didn't work out, I did like, I had enjoyed talking to him, but I did still feel quite excited about that and quite excited about our second date also. So I like yeah. I don't know that the the video date kills the spontaneity for me. I think okay. what kills it for me is when you try to have like an extended virtual relationship. Yes. Yeah. I've definitely learned about that during <laughs> during uh lockdown. Again, with with Nomad Writer Guy, we'd met twice and then it was lockdown and so we couldn't see each other for two months. So so we built up this thing virtually. And yeah, I knew there was a danger that they were we were building it up into something it wasn't, but we really did. And yeah. I, yeah, it was it was actually amazing how much you can do that, like how much talking to someone on WhatsApp and you know, having calls, but it's just it's just not the same. Mm. And in real life, like what I thought was there wasn't actually there. Mm-hmm. and that was that was interesting for sure yeah, yeah. and I've, I've had that before pandemic also just with you know being in a place and then keeping in touch with somebody virtually well you go somewhere else and then you come back and it's just not the same and I mean I don't think it's necessarily that the virtual part kills it it's just like it delays the finding out that it's not working <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah if we'd gone on a couple more dates before lockdown we probably would have figured it out anyway yeah um but yeah Mm. it just delays the whole thing yeah and I don't like delays and that's like a big part of the reason that I've not I've chosen like not to go back on the apps or try to date while the pandemic is still ongoing uh but Mm. another thing that I liked about the calls and just about pandemic dating in general and honestly this was like my biggest reason for being like oh should I go back on the apps is that it's it's a really good way to be forced to set boundaries because I think especially Mm. as women but uh, do you know as anybody dating I think this is actually just hard for men too nobody is taught to do this in romantic relationships is just to set really good boundaries really early on and to find out really quickly if somebody can respect those boundaries or not um and yeah I really like that and I I think that's part of the reason I do want to keep the video call going forward And like, I don't want to be testing people by Mm. making up some scenario where I need to set a boundary. But I do think going forward, I'm going to be a lot clearer on what my boundaries are going into a dating scenario. Yeah. And, you know, as we talked about with Elizabeth last time, you know, maybe they get one chance of me being very serious, like you crossed a boundary, depending obviously on, on what it is. But I think, yeah, just taking that forward of being feeling very confident and secure in my boundaries, I think has been a good thing that came out of this pandemic and a really good exercise in setting boundaries and also feeling what it's like when somebody doesn't respect those boundaries and how disorienting that can feel and how long it can take you afterwards to process that somebody didn't respect your boundaries, which is why I think it is Mm. nice to go into them up front so you can recognize it right away. Because yeah. I know I've been in relationships and then it ends and like years later, I'm like, oh, that was really not okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely agreed. And 
yeah, the pandemic has, it's been a really good opportunity to, to, to experiment with that. And I've definitely seen that when you do set those boundaries, it immediately weeds out a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it's actually amazing how disrespectful some people can be to what is actually just a completely normal boundary just about like your own safety or whatever exactly and I feel like sometimes I thought oh when I was younger I like it was so much easier to get in a relationship and now like I still can go on a lot of dates but like it's much much harder for me to get in a relationship and I kind of realized that that is a hundred percent because of me sticking to boundaries and when I was younger I could just kind of date whoever and then like later on realize it was really bad Um, yeah so yeah, I think I, I definitely want to be very cognizant of that going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the one of the topics we covered early in this season, seems like ages ago now, mm-hmm. was turbo relationships and things developing much faster than they might have before. Well, neither of us has actually <laughs> experienced this during the pandemic, although we'd experienced it as nomads before. Yeah. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see if now people have got used to things perhaps developing a bit faster, whether that's going to be more of a thing. Yeah, I'm very um, curious. Because the, the way that I feel about turbo relationships is that like, I don't think they actually impact the outcome that much like I think if somebody is the right person for you going fast isn't gonna make it not work out and I think if somebody is the wrong person for you going fast isn't going to make it work out but what happens is that if it is the wrong person for you which it is more often than not it's like harder to detangle that if you've kind of already tied a bunch of your life together your lives together and emotions together so that's kind of my feel on turbo relationships so I don't like them and not everyone I've been in has not failed (laughs) I mean eventually they did but not because of the turbo part but what I I feel like we've heard a lot of really cool positive stories that we of people we interviewed who had good turbo relationships that ended up working out well I I am curious to hear from people. Actually, I do kind of have an experience of a turbo relationship that uh, ended up not going well. And I think the breakup for the amount of time that we were together was much harder emotionally and especially logistically than if we had just gone slower to begin with. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think, and yeah, I've definitely had turbo relationships in the past when you are put in that situation of living together with someone so quickly you yeah you just you put so much pressure on yourself to like be this couple living together and yeah miss out on maybe a lot of those fun things from from the beginning of a relationship and how it would be if you took it a bit slower and then yeah like you say it is more painful when if slash when you do break up Mm -hmm. Um, if if you had just moved in with the nomad rider after day two I don't think it would have changed the outcome no it would have been way more difficult and awkward yeah (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) but then Um, if it had worked out you could be like cool fun but yeah I mean I do the dating phase is fun when it's a good person yeah but I mean (laughs) this is not exactly dating but 
my new housemate and I were discussing uh-huh. this the other night because we've been in sort of like a bit of a a whirlwind turbo friendship. Right. So we were introduced by a mutual friend. We went on like one socially distanced walk. Um, <laughs> then uh, both realized that, and we got on really well. Both realized that we were looking for somewhere to live long term we both wanted to find like more of a home situation in Portugal we were both like really on the same wavelength with that Mm -hmm. and then went for one more walk and then that was it found a house moved in together Mm -hmm. we've now been like living together for two weeks and we're practically like a married couple and (laughs) and the other night because we were kind of talking about the podcast and we were talking about dating and she was like well, you know, this is kind of a success story, isn't it? We didn't really know if this was going to work out, but we went for it and we were kind of like having a bit of a turbo relationship and, you know, it's going really well. <laughs> and um, I know it's really different, but but she's right. Like sometimes you do just click with someone and connect with someone and it just feels like the right thing. And I do think that that can, can work in a dating setting as well. At least yeah. I hope so. Yeah, and I personally have never found dating very different than friendship. And people often look at me like I'm insane when I say that. And I'll like I'll talk about like dating, like not dating friends, but like courting a friendship and like moving to the next stage in a friendship. Um, Because I think it is honestly the exact same. But I think the one, the biggest difference is the sexual chemistry that comes in a romantic partnership. And I think that's where the problems come in because that can be really blinding in a way that friend chemistry, I think, isn't. And I mean, I have had, I can think of off the top of my head, one turbo friendship that I had that ended badly. But I mean, it's like easy and easy out, I guess, with that, with friendship because we were not living together. So yeah, I can think of one turbo friendship that ended badly. But I do think that like the, the idea of chemistry and romance can skew our perception more in a romantic relationship than a friendship yes definitely and yeah chemistry can skew it into thinking that it's something more of it more than it is when actually Mm. sometimes it's just your hormones and obviously yeah that's not a problem with friendships Mm -hmm. so yeah I guess one interesting thing that I have thought a lot about during this pandemic is timelines for people who do want relationships, particularly people who want children. Because, you know, I was able to take off a bunch of time of dating during this pandemic. And I don't feel like I am too worried age-wise about having children. I'm also not too worried in general about having children. I'm very undecided. Um, So I didn't, but even I still felt a little bit of stress of like, oh, but I guess if I do want to have kids, like this is kind of the essential time. We only got a few years to like meet someone and date them and decide we want to have kids together. And I'm like, I'm wondering how people have felt who were maybe a few years older than me, who were maybe, you know, 35, 36, 37, who really want to have kids. Did how did the pandemic dating go for them? I um, listened to a podcast about this um, of someone who's about my age, or maybe a bit older, maybe more like 37. Mm. But, you know, I 
you know, this, you know, mid thirties is when, you know, everyone says your fertility falls off a cliff and blah, 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 (laughs) even though that's all massively exaggerated. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is obviously what has been drummed into us. And yet the people who were interviewed on this really felt like, you know, they'd, they'd lost a year. The one woman had just broken up with a partner and, she was sort of she really wanted to have kids um and then you know I think she was shielding or something so you know she just had to stay indoors for the whole year and couldn't date at all and she felt like maybe she she might miss her chance Mm -hmm. so yeah it's and again I'm the same as you for me I'm not sure if I want kids so I I haven't really felt that but I know that a lot of people have Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I thought about that right at the beginning of the pandemic as well, that like how those people are feeling and and what they're doing. I definitely saw some posts like around Reddit and stuff of people just saying, well, I'm just dating anyways, even though I know it's not the safest because I really want kids and I'm 37. Mm. And so they were perhaps taking some more risks or maybe yeah. not even taking more risks, maybe just being a little bit more aggressive with the pandemic dating and being safe and focusing on one person at a time which you know putting all your eggs in one basket I guess but like you don't have that many eggs left so what are you supposed to do (laughs) and yeah I guess speaking of that maybe we can loop back to what we were talking about lifestyle changes and that I've I think seen a shift in this in the last few years and I'm not sure if it is the circles that I've been getting into or if it's been more of a general shift and if the pandemic has accelerated that but I've seen a lot more people moving away from this idea of like a two-person family unit that maybe adds in some kids and I've had some conversations with friends who are who are my age so early 30s who really want kids and and are already feeling a little bit worried about it just because they've always known that they wanted kids and are ready for them now but are single um Mm. and you know I've kind of had conversations you know maybe you have a kid on your own and you live in a place with your friends and the kid has a mom and a bunch of aunts and uncles yeah um you know and and like what that sort of thing would look like and for me as someone who likes kids but don't know if I want to have my own kids like living in a place where like I was involved in kids lives but was not the primary caregiver and was not the person who had to birth the child Uh, like that is is very appealing to me as well and it has always been appealing to me but I just thought like there was no one else really other than like weird hippie communes that were kind of cults like that was kind of all I had seen and the last couple of years I've been finding just like all like people that I would be friends with anyways are also interested in this idea Um, Mm. and I think that that would take a lot of pressure off romantic relationships to be like both your romantic and sexual partner and your entire community Um, which has just felt weird to me especially because like we've talked about this before but like I we do have very intense friendships and there's I don't see a reason why like a romantic partnership should take precedence over that yeah yeah absolutely agreed and yeah like I said at the beginning I think that is gonna be one of the most interesting things to come out of this pandemic people thinking about about other ways to live so I think it's been interesting that you know people who hadn't worked remotely before 
a lot of them are thinking now like oh my god I could be a digital nomad I could travel the world I could do this I could do that whereas the longer term nomads are thinking more about maybe settling a bit more moving slower having a base and really putting time into thinking what they want that life to look like and often that isn't just getting a house with your partner it is maybe you know creating a nomad base somewhere with five friends and maybe not being there for all of the year and yeah it's going to be I just think it's going to be so interesting and more of these things popping up in rural places so that's yeah and do do you think that shift is going to change the way people date like are people going to date less are they going to be looking for less traditional relationships when they date or I think like you said it could potentially take the pressure off the romantic relationship as we've talked about a lot before the romantic relationship providing everything in your Mm -hmm. life at least I hope it does that would be a really nice thing to come out of it wouldn't it Mm -hmm. because I feel like even if you have a romantic partner that does feel like your soulmate and does feel like they can give you everything like why (laughs) yeah well again me and my housemate were talking about this because you know we both do want to have like have a home base here but probably not be here all year every year and then and if we were to get a a boyfriend or like romantic partner like maybe they'd want to stay here maybe they'd want to come with us but you know Mm. we wouldn't have to be with them for the whole year and that could actually be quite a healthy thing to do yeah so how are you gonna date going forward um I mean I mean I'm still on tinder Mm-hmm. still using the dating apps mm-hmm. what's going to be different about how I date I don't know if it's just going to be the pandemic that has changed how I look at dating I think the whole last few years of being a nomad and you know just broadening my horizons and discovering that there are more ways to live life than the traditional way mm-hmm. um, I think I'm just more sure than ever that I would want to date someone who gets that and who would be cool with not being with me necessarily for 12 months of the year Mm -hmm. um that that I wouldn't want to get everything from my from my romantic partner yeah I don't know if the pandemic has specifically made me think that more or if just because you know you've had more time to reflect during this last year Mm-hmm. how about you yeah I think so I mean I think I'm going to use the apps less and differently mm. I don't think I'm going to go back to the like swiping apps I think I'm going to stick to the apps where like you can fill out your profile more and I did really like the okay keep it asking the value questions because there were definitely people where I was like would have definitely swiped on their profile and then they just like said something that was horrific in one of the questions um <laughs> And it just, it felt, it felt a lot easier to like narrow in on people who I would like be friends with anyways and find in my community circles anyways. But I do think I will just lean to more in person. I mean, part of it is, is time-wise. I think in the pandemic, I've become a lot more aware of how I'm using my time because we can't just go out and socialize with friends mm-hmm. or go out to a cafe and meet people. 
uh, everything's going to be pre-planned on Zoom. So I think I've just been thinking more about how I spend my time because the time is 100% mine to to shape and mold with no real external influences because I'm not like, oh, I want to go out and do this thing. And I just don't want to be spending much time on the ops and having conversations mm. that don't go anywhere. So like, I, I definitely do want to lean towards just meeting someone in person. You just get mm. so much more information when you meet people in person. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, I think that was probably a shift before the pandemic started as well, but I think it's definitely solidified in the pandemic that I would just much rather have those organic meetings, even though it's going to be a lot less active dating and a lot less going on dates. When I think back to my relationships, my two long-term relationships were both organic meeting and of like my shorter relationships that were like a few months each, it was split about 50-50. But when mm. I think about the time that I've spent on apps and going on first or second dates that <laughs> went nowhere or were terrible, like it was just so much investment versus when I met people in person, I was just doing what I yeah. wanted to do anyways. And it has a, a way higher success rate. So I think yeah. that's definitely going to be a shift. I think another shift is that I just feel a lot more confident in what I want out of a relationship and asking for that. As I said, I've kind of mm-hmm. never prescribed to the traditional ideas, but felt really insecure about that. Like, oh, am I going to change my mind? Do I just like the idea? Will I actually like how it looks? Uh, is anyone else going to want this? Like, is this like even realistic? Uh, mm-hmm. And now I just feel really confident that like, yes, it is realistic. And yes, other people do want this. And also like, so what if they don't? Because I like, I don't really need a romantic partnership to have partnerships, like loving partnerships in my life. Yeah. So yeah, I just feel much more confident in that. But yeah, I think definitely going to be leaning towards meeting people in person, maybe asking more friends to like try to set me up. Mm-hmm. didn't work out so well during this podcast when we asked people to set us up but it really hasn't worked out that well for me but you know no. but I think it's... like as I as we are working on just like in general expanding the communities that we already have like started to do and feel excited about like as we continue expanding yeah. those I think just like the more people that are in your network orbit you know and good people bring good people so definitely yeah yeah I'm I'm quite excited now to be to be here and to be building a little community here like in real life not virtually of like of friends like I'm not thinking about it in a dating sense but as you say like good people bring good people and yeah who knows what it could lead to but for now, it just, it feels nice to be in a place where there are a lot of like-minded people who, who think the same way as me. And, oh, it's just like, now that lockdown here is lifting a little bit, it's so nice to be able to actually go and see them on terraces. And it's exciting to think what that can turn into when life does really start getting a bit more back to whatever this new normal is going to be. Okay, rapid two rapid fire questions to uh to end this section. One in one sentence, how has your nomadic life changed uh because of quarantine? And in one sentence, how has your dating life changed because of quarantine? Okay. Uh question one, nomadic life has completely changed. I that's now... your sentence. You already 
Okay. Okay. Do one more sentence. Do one more. (laughs) Completely changed. I now have a home. Um, So dating life. How's my dating life changed? I really miss cuddles. I've learned how much, how important physical contact is. That doesn't mm-hmm. really answer the question, but I just wanted to throw that in there. How about you? Okay, nomadic life, one sentence. I learned that even when moving around month to month, being able to plan in advance is a giant luxury. Mm-hmm. And dating, one sentence. I'm going to, I've been, I guess, yeah, setting boundaries, I guess. It's the big one. But I also, I do really miss the the physical contact and spontaneity of being able to meet someone in person. All right. Any final thoughts about dating or nomading in the pandemic or in the future? I just wanted to say a little final thought about the podcast and how we've been doing it for a year now. And I think the podcast just like, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, the first lockdown, like, I don't know how I'd have got through it without the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It was just such a cool new thing to do. It was so fun. It was cool doing it with you. It was cool doing something that wasn't writing. And it was cool that we just thought of the idea, did it. And now we have this little time capsule of nomadic dating during the pandemic. Mm, that's so sweet I feel the same way (laughs) it was just like I think we are ending it at the perfect time where it just feels still fun and nice and like we've really captured this moment and I yeah just thinking back to a year ago of of how exciting it was and building our pillow forts and trying to get the sound quality right and learning how to edit and doing interviews and like I had not really done interviews before and yeah it's just been so much fun yeah people have been so nice sharing their stories I know everyone was so open Mm -hmm. our guests were just all absolutely amazing Mm -hmm. yeah they like did not hold back about all the probing questions about their juicy secrets I know although I guess we kind of maybe set an example by sharing all of ours it's true Well, now we're going to move on to our final, final segment, the Scarlet Text. And we thought for this episode that we would each choose a reading recommendation. And then neither of us thought of one. So we're going to wing it. We (laughs) are. You have an idea? (laughs) Yes, I'm just going to recommend the book that I read yesterday Mm -hmm. um, when I was hungover. It was a book that I'd read before and I just reread it in a day. It's called, it's called Promising Young Women and it's by uh, an author called Caroline O'Donoghue. It's really good. It's about, it's about sort of feminism and the power struggles between men and women and what it's like to date someone you work with and she's a really sort of she's a really beautiful writer and it's an easy read but yeah like a lot of these books I've recommended it is an easy read but it addresses a lot of sort of really current and difficult topics Um, and also she has an awesome podcast called Sentimental Garbage where she talks about um, chiclet books 
with other authors and it's really fun. So I recommend that too. I love it. So I'm going to recommend an article because I feel like we've been recommended so many great books, but it's a lot of reading. Mm. Uh, and I'm going to have to look up the name of the article and send you the links so that's in the show notes because I don't remember the name of it. Um, but I came across this article because I was trying to find out how other women felt about men, straight men claiming to be sex positive, because it was something that I saw people putting a lot in their profiles and just talking about. And well, like I like the idea of sex positivity, like we're not shaming people when I see straight men talk about it. It just gave me the heebie-jeebies. It made me very uncomfortable <laughs> and I couldn't quite put my finger on why. I think maybe like I felt like that meant like they just like expected lots of sex or whatever. Like they were just kind of secretly trying to say like, you need to want to have lots of sex and do what I want. I don't know. I didn't know like exactly where it was coming from. So I was Googling around trying to find if other women felt this way. And I found this one article and Ali, I sent you a clip from the article because I thought it was really funny. And she talks about being sex neutral or mess sexual, I think is maybe the the term that she uses. And mm. you know, she talks about how like, you know, being sex positive is great in theory, but in reality for women, sex is often bad. Uh, sex is often focused on the male orgasm and mm. on penetration. Uh, many people claim to be sex positive but then like don't really care about getting their female partners off and just that for women hold on I'll read I'll read the exact quote because it made me laugh out loud <laughs> so the exact quote she says is that all this happens well for women who have sex with men some of the most disappointing experiences in life are sex with men um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to end the podcast on a negative note, but yeah, somebody who, you know, we've all been in lockdown. We've all got a bunch of new sex toys. We've all been, you know, thinking about what sex, sex might be like after the pandemic. And I, yeah, I think thinking about those gender imbalances and sex and how to pick a good sexual partner has is, yeah, it's a very interesting thing. I think that's going to happen going forward when everybody is just going to be wanting to get someone this when uh, they're able. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I very much enjoyed the article. Well, I will definitely be reading that. It's mm -hmm. a good little teaser. <laughs> so thank you so much, guys, for listening to our final episode. But it's not goodbye forever. We do have some exciting news to end with. So Dating Abroad has been acquired by a new publication, Nomad Voices. Oh my God, I wonder who runs that. <laughs> so while we won't be creating new episodes anymore, you'll still be able to listen to all of the old ones by visiting nomadvoices.com or as always on your preferred podcast service provider. And if we stumble across or find ourselves the stars of any other wild pandemic and nomadic dating stories, we might post a bonus episode or essay on Nomad Voices. Thank you for being our listeners. Thank you so much for listening and a very special thank you to our eight patrons that have been absolutely amazing and made these two seasons possible. Uh, in honor of them, here's our limerick and let's read each other's lines. This time I want to see what it's like to read your lines. Oh my god, okay. That's okay. exciting. Yeah. There once was a girl from Toronto who became our patron pronto. She was joined by a nomad who is definitely not a bromad. 
and we'll all be a family like the Sopranos. Then came a girl called Kiwi, who listens to our podcast in Germany. She was joined by a Brit with an eco-cleaning kit and a Swede who's a big fan of barley. Next came a lovely Canuck, who met her beau underground by a truck. In came an unsettled man, the first male of our clan, and a writer bumbling through the muck. Uh, that was fun to read your lines and wild and sounded kind of wrong, but I liked it. Uh, our amazing theme music is by the very talented artist Lee Trung, who has been so kind to lend us her music for this podcast. You can visit her website at leetrung.bandcamp.com. Please listen to her music, buy her music. She's got two albums. They're both lovely. And our super cute and amazing colourful logo is by Samina, who is on Instagram at Samina Scribbles. And she does lots of awesome illustrations, so you should also check her out. Thank you so much for listening. This has been so much fun. And it's uh, just goodbye for now, I think, to end on a cliche. Over and out. Toodaloo. <gasps> Do <laughs> <laughs>